Welcome to The Brunch Club, a podcast brought to you by three dietetic and nutrition students and future dietitians who are true foodies at heart. Meet your hosts, Jenny, Stacy, and Hannah, who spit nothing but the truth around health and nutrition. We are excited to provide you with body-positive, anti-diet culture, and non-restrictive health facts and tips. Join us with your cup of coffee or glass of mimosa and get ready to listen to us chew away nutrition myths, discuss hot topics, and share our journeys to becoming registered dietitians. Let's brunch! Hey everyone and welcome to episode 14 of The Brunch Club. I'm super excited to introduce to you today the integrative registered dietitian, Nicole Sohaye. In today's episode, we discuss all things inflammation, leaky gut, SIBO versus IBS, and much more. Be sure to check her out on Instagram at the.integrative.nutritionist or at theintegrativerd.com. Nicole is committed to helping women uncover the root cause of their ailments. She also uses the MRT Leap food sensitivity test to heal leaky gut and inflammation. She's committed to ending the diet cycle so women may free themselves from disordered eating patterns and cultivate self-love. Be sure to listen and stay tuned. And if you have any questions, you can always reach out to your fellow brunchers at Nutrition by Stace, at Blonde Trition, and at Gen Nutrition. Nicole, we have a few starter questions for you. So what is your dream place to travel to? I think right now um, I would love to go to Japan. I have not yet done Asia in, in that way. And I think it'd be a really cool culture shock to just get in like a really different lifestyle of food, of technology and whatnot. I think it'd be really cool. That would be awesome. I agree. Next one. What is your favorite part about being a dietitian? I think my favorite part is showing people just how important food is. A lot of, you know, individuals just think of health as going to the doctor, getting their physical, coming back and like, that's it. Um, And just highlighting how nutrition is kind of the foundation of health. It's like the soil that a plant is grown in. If you don't have good soil, your plant's just not going to grow. So it's really cool showing people that this is actually one of the most important, if not most important things about health. Yeah, I think we can can all relate to that one. I feel like that's why we kind of all have like that passion um, to become a registered dietitian. Lastly, our signature question, what is your favorite dessert? Dessert is one of my favorite things in the world, so it's really hard to choose, <laughs> but definitely anything chocolate. And if there wants to be some raspberry or caramel like mixed in there, I mean, that would be it for me. <laughs> Yum. Yes. I am a caramel girl too, so I get that. I was so anti-caramel like growing up and now, now <gasps> I don't discriminate against anything sweet. It's all, <laughs> I accept it all. Yeah, people don't like caramel and I just, I can't relate. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I love it. I can't relate either. <laughs> Before we jump into the more official questions that we have for you, we definitely want us and our listeners to know who you are and what your values are um, and who you are as a dietitian. So give us a little bit of background about yourself, why you became a registered dietitian and why you chose integrative nutrition. Yeah. So um, my name is Nicole Sohaer. Uh, I'm a dietitian 
Um, I'm also a certified leap therapist that helps people figure out their food sensitivities and whatnot. Um, the reason I became a dietitian is I actually originally wanted to be a doctor. So I was pre-med for a few weeks and then just realized that this was not the right fit for me. I always loved science and physiology and just like the way the body works and health. But I thought that um, medicine, at least in this country, just like wasn't what I was looking for. Um, I always loved food. I'm a huge foodie. I love to bake. And for a hot second, I was like, oh, maybe I'll just do something with food. And um, the food science program at my university had a requirement of a Nutrition 101 class. And it was just such like a perfect marriage of food and health. So it was kind of like written in the stars that that was the way I was going to go. Um, when it comes to integrative nutrition, I always love the holistic aspect of like healing foods and the fact that our like the nutrients in food are not just like, it's not calories. It's not, it's not just about energy. It's actually about like the function of our organs and neurotransmitters and our immunity and like pretty much everything you can think of is all about the nutrients we have. So I was always so curious about, well, how can we like manipulate and use specific nutrients to heal ourselves? And I remember being an underclassman saying like, oh my gosh, like there, there's a link definitely between how you eat and your mood. Like I def, I, I, I feel that when I'm eating really well, I have less anxiety, less like moodiness and whatnot. And I remember my professor being like, no, that, that doesn't make sense. And lo and behold, like a couple of years later, we're noticing that there's this huge field of, um, uh, what's the word for, there's like a field of nutrition and psychology and psychiatry and, and how actually like certain nutrients are needed for our neurotransmitters and everything. And that's when I was like, okay, this, this is how I want to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so cool that you saw that connection and so sad that your professor was like, that's wrong. <laughs> I feel like there's so many things that we don't know right now, especially about like human bodies and health and the brain and nutrition and everything that you can't just shoot something down like that. You were on to something and look at you now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like in a few years from now, well, unfortunately slash fortunately, have new information that may take what we know now and and null and void it. But that's the name of the game. And I'm super excited because I am actually going to be starting a master's program in the spring that has a concentration in integrative nutrition. So this is like total fandom right now for me. (laughs) Um, But can you maybe explain a little bit more to our listeners what integrative nutrition means and how it's kind of different from maybe quote unquote traditional nutrition. Yeah. So, I mean, if you take the word integrative, it means it integrates things. So you're not just using one way of a healthcare model. You're taking things from a lot of different aspects. So TCM, which is traditional Chinese medicine is like very specific to that one modality conventional medicine or Western medicine is just one modality and the way that integrative medicine or nutrition works is that it takes upon a lot of different things. It, it doesn't just look at the body. It looks at mental wellness. It looks at like this person's um, spirituality. It, it's like a very holistic whole body approach, which I find to be a lot more effective. We're always talking about how nutrition is so individualized, but I feel like you can't say that 
without incorporating like integrative nutrition because someone what like makes up a person's individuality is like all of those things that you said aside from their body their mental state their mental health their spirituality everything so that's absolutely i agree that that's definitely more effective yeah and and i think that one really cool way that it's shown is the blue zones which looks at you know the the centarians is that how you say it (laughs) where you know people are there's a high population of people over a hundred and it's not just about diet. It's about connection. It's about community. It's about activity, spirituality. And that's pretty much what integrative healthcare should look like. It's like, what, who is this person and who, what's their environment? What's going on for them? Yes. I always found the blue zone so interesting. Um, but why would someone seek an integrative dietitian? Usually it's because they've tried a lot of things and it just hasn't worked. Um, like I just got off a call today with someone and she's like, I've tried a bunch of supplements. I've tried so many different doctors and I'm just feeling crappy and I'm tired of feeling crappy and I don't know what to do. So, you know, I, I try to dig a little deeper to me. It's like, if someone is going for an integrative practitioner, it's because they've tried a bunch of things and it hasn't worked and they just haven't met someone who has gotten to the root cause. It's really like root cause medicine. What are some of the most common issues or complaints that clients come to you? A lot of people come with autoimmune, um, GI issues, and all around just really confused about what and how to eat. There are so much information out now and um, Google can be a help or a harm. And a lot of people are just really confused about what they need. Um, I also get a lot of women who might actually have like slight disordered eating, um, which has been an interesting mix of clients for me. (laughs) Did you have any like experience with um, people who have eating disorders before or was it just something that I feel like every dietitian is found to encounter someone who has like disordered eating behaviors. I think like 98% of the entire population has disordered eating or eating disorders. And so was that something that when you realized certain people were coming to you that had those patterns and behaviors where you're like, oh my gosh, like how do I do this? Or were you kind of like expecting that? I definitely was expecting it. Um, as a woman in this country, it's also like you said, like I think. I think there's an underlying disordered eating in our society as a whole. So therefore it's not so difficult to put myself in their place. Um, And I have been able to kind of understand the temperament. Obviously you can't generalize, but you know, there's a lot of perfectionism when it comes to eating disorders and there could be trauma and there are co-issues like anxiety and whatnot. So as I get more and more people and I'm like, oh, do you deal with this? They're like, oh, wow, like I didn't realize that as a child, I felt like I needed to belong. And like, that was very stressful for me. And um, there are these common threads that can be seen. um, But of course, everyone has their own story, which is always humbling to hear. And how can, you know, so clients are coming to you with all different kinds of issues, let's say, or wants and needs. And as someone who, you know, treats with 
a holistic view, how would your assessment and plan, so to speak, be different from, you know, typically people hear a dietitian, they go, they get a meal plan, they go home, they lose some weight, and that's that. That's not what this is at all. So how can you explain um, how your your way of practicing is a little bit different? Yeah. Um, well, first off, I really dislike doing weight loss. So that <laughs> we do too. Of that, like I can't stand it. <laughs> not saying, you know, not mitigating anyone's weight loss journey, but I, I it's not where my heart is. Um, so that's not, the only thing I really ask about weight is, you know, what was your most stable weight as an adult? And just making sure no one has had like um, weight loss that was unintended or unintended weight gain, things like that. But I look at kind of just that integrative holistic model. I want to know what people do for fun. What's your stress levels like? What's your bedtime routine like? Have you, what's, what's your history of antibiotic use? Because, you know, if you have some GI stuff, I want to know what that's like. What, conditions do you have? What's your family history like? Um, what's your current eating pattern like? What are your eating behaviors? Are you like a really fast chewer? Um, you know, kind of just across the board, I, I want to get like a good sense of who someone is and get a nice background and picture in my mind of, well, okay, these are going to be some targeted areas that really could use some support. Something you mentioned was, well, first, I feel like you're more focused then on like behavior change, right? And yeah. then and then something else you mentioned was like even going down to how fast you're chewing and things like that. And that again, like I feel like you bring a lot of mindfulness into your practice as well. And I've seen some of your posts where you talk about how even like slowing down with chewing can help. But is there anything else you can tell us about both the digestive system and inflammation? Yeah. Um, so it's an awesome area of research lately of how they're noticing that the first thing to go in someone's health or in inflammation is the gut. So, you know, once that mucosal barrier is disrupted and once the permeability starts to go, that's when we have the unintended consequence of things passing into us that aren't meant to be there. So, you know, those tight junctions open up things that are undigested or even pathogens can start lodging themselves in there, getting through our body starts kind of freaking out about, Oh, this is, this is different. This is not meant to be happening and its job is to fix it. So we ramp up our immune system. We start saying, okay, something's wrong. Let's go scavenge and figure it out. Um, but it's, there's not actually anything wrong. There's no virus or something there for to fix so it just kind of keeps going and going and going. And all of a sudden now you're in this low grade inflammatory state that can go on for years and you don't know it. Um, and then that could lead to things like autoimmune. Um, so people who might have, let's say Hashimoto's or lupus or arthritis, um, those are things that may have actually started like decades before, but they wouldn't have known it. I, I think that's all so interesting. And like you said, people can go majority of their life without even recognizing or realizing that they may have that constant low grade in inflammation. What are some ways that people can maybe 
start to listen to their body and recognize inflammation or what are some ways to possibly reduce inflammation through nutrition? Um, you know, that way we don't end up with those autoimmune diseases later on down the road. Yeah, I think that as a whole, you know, the whole food diet is really important. So um, reducing the ultra processed foods as much as possible, um, because at the end of the day, it's, it's just always best to know what you're eating. And some people, I always find it funny, like the word process gets a bit muffled sometimes, you know, olive oil is a processed food. You're processing olives into oil. So it's really the ultra process that needs to be cut out. Um, and having produce, whether it's fruits or vegetables, mostly vegetables, um, being the bulk of one's diet with good quality proteins, good quality fats, um, fermented foods, making sure that you're also having the prebiotics to keep those food like probiotics going um so yeah like that's just like a basic basic healthy diet oh and if you want to reduce inflammation there's the anti-inflammatory diet which is pretty much the mediterranean diet um which is just standard i think if someone has real inflammation going on like a like a real problem with inflammation it needs to be a little bit more individualized depending on what's going on for them that's something that i um like we're very anti-diet, you know, we don't like any diet culture. But the one thing that if someone were to ask me what diet, quote unquote, do you recommend or believe in, I always say Mediterranean diet because it's more of a lifestyle approach. It's not necessarily a diet that you start today and you finish next week. So that's always my go-to. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um and that's, again, like the blue zones is based on the Mediterranean diet. So there's, there's scientific research on it. Um, and I think one other thing that I would probably put, like if someone wanted to do it, like really vamp things up, um, making sure that just they're like, they're not overdoing it on um, things that are super high on the glycemic index. Um, just to, you know, things that are fibrous. So if someone is eating a ton of fruit, you know, there's some stuff going on about fructose not being the best for the liver and, and whatnot. So just kind of keeping it to like fibrous fruits and, and whatnot. Yeah. I feel like it always just comes back to moderation, like everything in yeah. moderation. Yeah, <laughs> totally. People will do like fruit only like a fruit and water fast and then they'll do like don't eat fruits and veggies at the same time like you have to eat them with like certain time apart or they'll do like a raw food thing and I'm like how about <laughs> we just not be extreme <laughs> and just kind of like find a little balance and educate ourselves and you know but I feel like people are like I don't know they think they have to go like a thousand percent to like one side or the other and it's a lot of times it's actually not beneficial. Like they think it is. Yeah. It's, I think it comes down to just human nature and instant gratification that we want, you know, the whole like lose 10 pounds in 10 days. It's because we, we like to see results fast, yes, yeah. but at the end of the day, it's kind of backfires. I mean, right. a juice cleanse just sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> so, um, I, 
in the diet culture and this whole like health trend that's going on in the world as it always does uh, a popular term is leaky gut and so people are talking about it people are talking about gut health but how would you as an integrative dietitian describe what leaky gut is so leaky gut um used to be like a joke and you know you'd go to a gi doctor and he'd say like can i talk about leaky gut and they would make you feel terrible and lo and behold, like a few years later, there's research showing that actually intestinal permeability is real and like it can get bad. So leaky gut is just that. It's, it's when the permeability of your intestines um, uh, increases. So meaning things start to go through that's not meant to go through, um, aka like it's leaky. Things are leaking through. Um, and yeah, like it's, it's on the rise. Uh, a lot, like mostly among women, which I'm not yet sure what the link is. Maybe it's hormonal. I really don't know. But yeah, a lot of women are having GI issues and um, some of them, it, it's coming out to be leaky gut. How do you know though, if you have leaky gut, like what are some symptoms maybe that you experience or do you have to get like a test? So there is like one test right now. It's like testing zonulin levels, which... Um, will show that there there's a permeability issue going on but it's also coming out there there are actually a, a lot more markers um that we just might not know about it's such a new field in the history of like if you think of medicine as centuries old you know this is only maybe a couple of years 10 years so we're still learning so much about it in terms of symptoms there it's so much i mean like it could be digestive. So you might think you have IBS and it's food sensitivities. Um, you can have things like fibromyalgia, like joint pain, feeling just always fatigued, um, having like brain fog. It's, it's a really systemic thing. You just, you're feeling poorly. That's so interesting. Um, do you have a lot of clients who have experienced the, or leaky gut, so to speak? Yeah. Um, it it comes down to being able to like assess someone as a whole, just the way trying to figure out if someone is like, is it SIBO or IBS? Cause the symptoms can overlap so often. It's really looking at a person's symptoms and history and seeing, you know, is that something that lines up with leaky gut? So a lot of times if someone comes to me and they say like, I have autoimmune, I have migraines, I'm always tired, I have Hashimoto's, I also had SIBO. Um, my immediate thought is like, oh, like your gut is not happy. There was an infection that you may or may not have taken care of. And now you are having inflammation and autoimmune and migraines. And, and it, you know, that's something that would kind of alert me to, oh, okay, yep, let's start talking about leaky gut. And that kind of brings us right into the next topic. Um, what is SIBO versus IBS? We know the symptoms, like you said, they overlap and they can be similar. Um, but just in general, what is the difference between each of those? IBS is a syndrome. So it's a bunch of things in one. Um, whereas SIBO is an actual issue, if that makes sense. Like it has a root and it's like very clear what it is. Whereas IBS, you can go to a doctor and say, well, I have all these symptoms and they might test you and not be able to figure out what's going on. So they're like, oh, okay, well then it's IBS. 
Um, so one is treatable, whereas one is then like managed if, you know, so IBS is technically like it doesn't really go away. It can flare up. Um, so that's managed. And then SIBO can be treated and hopefully goes away. So what would you recommend people with IBS or SIBO do to reduce or prevent their symptoms? Or like you said, manage IBS and I guess with SIBO would be to cure it? Yeah, so with IBS, stress is definitely a trigger. So stress management is gonna be important. And then right now the consensus is do a low FODMAP, reintroduce, see what your triggers are and you know, take them out for a while, see if at some point you can reintroduce them again. Um, if not, like, so be it. And that's pretty much how IBS is versus SIBO. You still do um, the low FODMAP, but you're also doing either uh, antimicrobials via herbal supplements, or you're doing rifaximin, which is an antibiotic. Um, and at the end of it, you should feel better. Sometimes people don't. So you have to figure out, well, would they have actually done better with rifaximin or would they have done better with the antimicrobials? And there's a bit of trial and error, unfortunately. I mean, that's kind of understandable though, because like we always say, you know, nutrition is so individualized. It's, we can't just say here, take this or eat this and it'll work for you and cure you. It, like you said, it's trial and error. And I think that's something a lot of people maybe get discouraged by because they always want that instant result. Um, but I, I, to me, that's kind of part of the fun, like finding out really what it is and what works and what doesn't. Um, so it keeps it kind of interesting. Of course, we want people to get better as, as soon as they can, but you know, um, are there any particular labs or tests, um, that you would recommend people get to see if they have any gut issues? I know we talked about, um, with leaky gut, but what about with, IBS and SIBO? Usually, I mean, like if we want to broaden it, you know, there's always the celiac test, there's IBD to check, make sure, you know, the large intestine, the small intestine is okay. For the leaky gut, there are food sensitivity tests. So I do the MRT leap, um, which has pretty great success rates. And then for SIBO, it's a breath test, kind of the way you can use either glucose or lactulose depending on who your practitioner is and what state you're in. And basically it's, um, you're drinking something after doing a specific prep diet to see if uh, there is any microbes getting to your food when it's not supposed to be happening. And that test can then let the practitioner know that, yeah, there's something funky going on or, you know, you do have, um, SIBO, whether it's methane or it's a new one, hydrogen sulfide or um, hydrogen dominant. So those can give you a good clue on what's going on and then tailor the treatment to that. I have a question about IBS because I know of, I can think of at least four people that I know in my life who have been told you have IBS. Um, and then I know that there are some healthcare professionals like uh, IBS dietitians who are kind of frustrated with the term IBS, like, okay, irritable bowel syndrome, but why? 
And so do you think that um, IBS is sort of like a standalone thing that you're not really sure like why your bowels are irritable or is it like an umbrella term and it could be XYZ? Like what are your thoughts on IBS? Um, hmm, that's a good question. I definitely think that some people just have like a sensitive system for whatever reason. Um, and then I do think that some people who are diagnosed with IBS are misdiagnosed and actually have SIBO. Um, but if you look at the statistics, women are the ones who are most diagnosed with IBS. So I wonder, like, I, I, I wish we had like really good studies from decades ago about this because it's kind of new also. Um, about, you know, it has the prevalence really gone up? Is it just up because we're, we know about it now? Is it up because we're monitoring it? Um, is it up because there's actually something going on in our environment, in our food system? You know, something is in our food that it wasn't before. Is there hormonal changes going on with women that wasn't there before? If you, I, I know also that autoimmune is going up. So there's a lot of stuff increasing lately. Um, I'm not sure why. I'd love to learn about that. <laughs> Maybe we can somehow look into that more. <laughs> um, so going along, I know you mentioned probiotics and prebiotics earlier. Is Are probiotics something you recommend the general take? Or do you think you know, it's case specific? What are your thoughts on probiotics? I think it would be case specific because generalizing wouldn't I, I wouldn't agree with that I think that you can also get probiotics from your food so if someone is just like healthy person nothing's going on for them and they're just looking to eat well I'm just gonna say hey like have some kimchi have some sauerkraut get some kefir if you're into that and we can call it a day but if someone is having like dysbiosis and we are excavating their gut we need to repopulate it then so that is a very different case that would be, yeah, like you would need a good probiotic. In general, what are some, I know we talked about a lot of, you know, just things that you can have through your diet um, to promote gut health, reduce inflammation, but what would your top tips be for promoting gut health? Promoting gut health, alcohol really should be limited. Um, mm -hmm. It is super <laughs> inflammatory, unfortunately, and as much as the studies in the past has been like, oh, wine is great for you, more studies are coming out that actually conflict with that of, you know, alcohol in general is not great. So I would say limit your alcohol as much as pro um, possible. Processed sugar is also not the best for us. And when I say processed sugar, it's like, you know, um, a Twinkie, something that is super, super processed um, and, and full of sugar. Um, and then in other things, it's, it kind of goes back, have your healthy fats, make sure you're having your produce, um, and drinking a lot of water is important as well. So kind of going with the whole plant, the whole foods diet and hydrating well and stress management, the gut is the second brain. So if you are super stressed all the time, you're going to have some problems in that area. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I see like constipation and a lot of people who are stressed. It's almost like they're so stressed that they just can't take a minute to like go to the bathroom. I don't know. But um, that's like huge. And then 
constipation is like this huge thing that people don't talk about and people don't realize that kind of should be going more than once a week or like once every so often I've heard people say like crazy things I'm like that's it you go like once every two days and so I have this joke where I'm like everyone's cranky because everyone's constipated um and so I feel like that definitely has to do with like the high pace feel of our society and our world that we live in of like go 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 and like never take a minute for yourself even if that means like don't even go to the bathroom yeah so stress we are definitely a stressful stressed out generation yeah we are (laughs) yeah um that's terrible gosh once a week uh, (laughs) i would that that's problematic no it is it is how are you eliminating all those toxins? Like that's just staying in your body. <laughs> I know. That's yeah. Very scary. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and talking about stress, um, do you have any like stress management tips that you usually give your clients? Like anything like whether it's like meditation or like yoga or like something like that? I always, always recommend meditation. Um, it has incredible science behind it. And it's, I know it's difficult in the beginning because I remember the beginning and it was really hard, but once you get in it, it's like muscle memory. You might slip a couple times, but it's easy to slip back in and it literally changes your brain um, and it changes your brain waves. And it just overall is, is such a great and easy and cheap way to decrease your stress. So it's a win-win for a lot of people. Um, I get a lot of pushback because in the beginning it is tough. If you're not used to sitting alone with your thoughts and you're stressed on top of it, or you have anxiety, that's really, you know, uncomfortable. So for me getting into like a a studio when life before COVID, you know, that helped a lot. Um, If they don't want to do meditation, getting out into nature, uh, we, are meant to be outside. We're not meant to always be inside and being able to connect with, you know, the sky, the sun, trees, the earth. It's really excellent. And some places I believe in Europe, I'm not sure where, but doctors are like, okay, you just need two hours a week in nature. That's what I'm prescribing you. And I think that's amazing. So yeah, meditation, nature, yoga, uh, any of those would be really great walking community and, you know, making sure that you feel a sense of belonging with people. I love that. And I like also the idea of like walking and like meditating or praying or whatever it is. Cause some people are like, I have to meditate and then go outside. Like I don't have time. So even if you just like walk like around or just like stand outside and like kind of like put the two together like your meditation or praying and and being outside like feeling the sun on your shoulders while you just like close your eyes like I think it's really wonderful to like do both at the same time um especially for people who maybe feel like they don't have time to like take five minutes to meditate and then 10 minutes outside and so it's just like different when you're I know for me, like when you're meditating out in nature, it like adds a whole other level to it. Definitely. And like, if you think about it during the winter, when you leave the office and it's dark, it's depressing because like we, we didn't get that sunshine all day. 
So there's some, there's definitely something to getting in nature and making sure that you are soaking up that sun. It's true. It's like, we know the science behind vitamin D and the sun and that aspect, but like for myself, the feeling I get when I am just under the sun, like that feeling is just indescribable. Like, I don't care who you are. I know you feel that. So it's like that exists and we should all spend much more time appreciating that. Definitely. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, once COVID is over and we can all like do that together in the park (laughs) and and whatnot, that that will be great. (laughs) There will be a time. Yeah. Can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Nicole, we appreciate everything you have said today. Um, I'm so, so glad that you came on here and answered all these questions for us. You are absolutely amazing. Um, But I'm just going to ask one more thing. If you have one little tip or main takeaway or quote or just something you want to leave to us and to our listeners, the floor is yours. Oh, yeah, this was really fun. Thanks for having me. Um, I think... My main takeaway always is if you feel like something is off, you need to listen to that. So don't like if you're going to doctors and they're saying everything is fine and you know something isn't fine, you need a new doctor Um, because most of the time we are the ones who know ourselves best and what we're feeling and having someone else dictate to you what you are feeling Um, that's not the way it should be. You should be the one in charge of your own health. So, you know, be accountable, take responsibility and, you know, figure out what's going on. Thousand percent advocate for your own health. I always say that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. But thank you so much. This is great. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. This is lovely. All right. We'll talk soon. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the brunch club. Um, if you guys want to follow Nicole, her at is the.integrative.nutritionist on Instagram. She has amazing content, always keeping you updated about gut health and IBS and SIBO like we talked about on our episode. And of course, you can always find us, the Brunchers, on Instagram at Blontrition, Nutrition by Stace, and at Gen Nutrition. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, share it with a friend. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and DM us if you want any specific episodes or have any questions. Thank you. Bye. Ciao, ciao.